Hi there, and welcome to the Pearls from My Mom podcast. Every mom has special pearls of wisdom she passes on to her kids. In this podcast, we'll be talking about those pearls of wisdom, as well as the life lessons that our moms have passed down to us. We will be sharing to keep the legacy alive. Hello, hello, and welcome to Pearls from My Mom. I'm your host, Jessie, and I'm very excited about my show today. I know I pretty much say that every week because I'm always excited to be on the mic with you guys, but I'm really excited today for one very special reason, and it is because I'm doing my first in-person interview with somebody I've known my whole entire life, and I know the show is called Pearls from My Mom, but you may or may not know this, I also have a dad. (laughs) And I am lucky enough to still have my dad, and I'm doubly lucky enough to have my dad sitting right here in the studio with me. So, hi, Dad. How are you? Oh, I'm doing well, Jess. How are you? (laughs) I'm doing great. Thanks for coming on. I'm excited that you're here. Uh, It's a pleasure. I'm telling you, it's always exciting when I'm around you. I know. That's what what people say (laughs) (laughs) about us. So, you know, I mean, you've listened to some of my shows before. I think you kind of get the general premise. Usually I talk to people whose moms have passed away, but I am lucky enough to still have you in this world. So I figured why not talk to you while you're here? Oh, I love it. Thank you. Yeah, it's it's really hard to talk after I'm gone, you know? Yeah, that's what, that's what they say about but that. But there are psychics, and I know you had one on the show. I so. did. I, <laughs> it was very, you know, she could probably she could probably talk to some people that you might want to talk to, but... Cool. So let's just, I mean, this is a a free-flowing episode, so we get to just talk about whatever we want. But I thought it'd be really fun to talk a little bit about you and your life. We could even talk about Grandma. You know, I mean, you... You had a mom at one point, and she has passed away, so we can talk a little bit about her, too. We all have had moms. That's that's right. right. That's right. So, Dad, you are from a small town. Ford City, Pennsylvania. Ford, like the car. Only we didn't make cars there. You made... Glass. That's right. Yes, we made glass for Fords. Mm -hmm. That's not why it was called Ford City. Okay. It's called Ford City because of John B. Ford, who founded it. Okay. And it wasn't lost, but he founded it. Good, good. And he uh, recruited people from Europe, Slovaks, Polish, Germans, Irish, Italian, um, Greek, just throw in anybody in the mix, and that's our hometown. That's way cool. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, so you grew up there, mm-hmm. and uh, like, what what kind of kid were you? Do you do you remember what kind uh, of kid you were? Let's see, I can only remember getting yelled at, so I'm not sure I can remember what <laughs> kind of kid I was. Oh yeah, you know, just a just the average kid down the street, mm-hmm. or in the middle of the street, or wherever street that was. Um, you know, you uh, you find something to do in a small town, go to the movies, uh, be you know, hang with your friends, go to the uh, playground, ride your bike. Mm-hmm. All of that sort of thing. And, you know, the nice thing about uh, the block that I grew up on was there was a nice grocery store on the next block or corner of the next block. And within that, say, a two block radius, there were three other stores, just stores that people had in their uh, in a home. Mm-hmm. They maybe have bought the house next door, turned it into a store. Um, or they would live upstairs and the store was downstairs. So, you know, a nice little homey thing. Um, small town, like I said, so you can't do that anymore. 
No, no, you well, can't. you can, but uh, it's tough. Yeah, for sure. Now, just so we can give people some context, what uh, what decade are we talking about here? Well, I was born in '46. Okay, so if people are picturing small town USA in like the '50s, 1950s, okay. uh, Southwest Pennsylvania, sure. Leave it to Beaver kind of stuff. Um, well, maybe you could leave it to Beaver, but he was in California. <laughs> I think I've seen that show a couple times. I, but... It was. I was past that age where, you know, I kind of saw it and thought, oh, okay, that's cute. All right. <laughs> that's about it. When you were a kid, did you, this might sound dumb, but did you watch TV or did you listen to the radio? TV was big stuff, you okay. know? It was it was the old, uh, what you always hear about, three channels yeah, and no remotes. Right. Uh, you had an antenna, not cable, that sort of thing. I remember somebody uh, mentioning that in the future... You would be uh, paying for TV, and no, uh, no, why? You got an antenna, and you pick up three channels. That's all you need. What else is there in the world? <laughs> and then we got a fourth. Whoa, Ooh, we big, were big times, right? Yeah, yeah, that's a big deal. So, what did you? So, you had a brother, and you had um, grandma and grandpa. Mm -hmm. They, well, they're your mom and dad. Mm -hmm. So, what did grandpa do? I know this. I know the. By the way, I know the answers to a lot of these questions. I'm just kind of giving you people context. So, ah, okay. All right. So, grandpa was a. He uh, worked in the uh, glass plant, mm -hmm. as did most of the people in the. Uh, in town, the something I just found out recently. I had no idea that the glass plant was the largest glass plant in the world. I said, "Come on, you're kidding me." The town's only a mile long mm -hmm. and a half mile uh, wide, so you know, let's say a mile square. And here's a glass plant that was the largest in the world. You got to be kidding me! But they went 24 hours, 24/7, mm -hmm. with shifts. All the time. Mm -hmm. Well, 24-7. That's what that means. Hey, I figured it out. Um, so, Dad, yeah, Dad worked in the plant. He was also uh, in the union. He was an officer in the union for a while and a staunch union man. Okay. So, that's, you know, kind of the story where he was. And it was, it was really a hardworking time because of his parents and uh, people of his generation, their parents, having come from Europe— and farmers field, you know, they worked in the fields. They were, my granddad was a uh, a lumberjack, hmm. and they came to. Uh, they were recruited to come to America and new life, work in a factory, something that they had never done before. Had a good living. Um, they could start their own uh, fraternal club, so to speak. Mm -hmm. There were two Slovak clubs, two Polish clubs. And a uh, uh, a Ukrainian club, as well as an Austrian club, German club, Italian American. Well, it was called Latin American club. Um, and what else? American Greek Catholic was another one. Mm -hmm. Yeah, the Catholic. That was the whole. Yeah. Oh, yeah. There were three Catholic churches in town at one time. Um, well, actually, four. And various other denominations: uh, Baptist, Methodist. Uh, Lutheran, you know, you name it. Um, mm -hmm. It was there. We were, we were well represented. We were a small United Nations. Mm -hmm. Now, how long did did Grandpa work for the? It was like a long time. I mean, that was his whole career, right? Yeah, yeah. He he worked in Ford City for a while, then went to Toledo, Ohio, worked in the plant out there, came back to Ford City, and was there probably forty five years, maybe. Mm -hmm. And you know, when he retired, he had his house paid for. 
cost of living was was low, so he had a really nice pension with really good benefits from PPG mm-hmm. and Social Security, and he just uh, he and Mom lived the lived the good life. That's right. Yeah, yeah. They, they were always fun to visit. And now and now Grandma, she was a stay at home mom, right? As yes. Like pretty much every lady was, I think, at that time. That was kind of the norm. Yeah. She was an Avon lady, though. She did like to sell Avon. <laughs> oh, she loved it. She she was pretty much a, a stay-at-home person. The uh, Her world was the house and her family, mm-hmm. and that's what she concentrated on. She was very proud of how neat she kept the home mm-hmm. and her cooking. She was the most fabulous cook ever. <laughs> really? Ever. Oh, Yeah. She would just, she'd whip something up like that, you know, and she was just amazing. It's funny because I was telling you the other day, when when we would visit as kids, the only thing that she ever made was bologna sandwich on white bread <laughs> <laughs> with cheese girls. So I would have never guessed that grandma was a really good cook because that's all we ever made. <laughs> well, she wanted to entertain her grandchildren. I guess, and she yeah. was she was going back to when her children were children mm-hmm. of your age. So that's, I can kind of think that's where she was coming from. Maybe, but I could, they, it was always on the same TV trays. They were kind of like, it looked like a wooden pattern. Yes. Like some faux, it looked like a floor actually. And then they'd sit on the TV trays and we'd watch baseball because grandpa always wanted to watch baseball. Big sportsman. And I'll tell you what, he was a very good player as far as he played on a softball team and played any position. Mm. Very good hitter, could, could play anything. And loved, loved football. Didn't play, but loved to see it on TV. And, you know, of course, being near Pittsburgh, big Steelers fan, mm-hmm. Pittsburgh Pirates, mm-hmm. uh, hockey, Penguins. Yeah. So the whole the whole bit. Yeah, he loved it. The whole deal. And mm-hmm. you had a brother. So you're the younger brother. And yes. And my listeners may or may not know that the youngest siblings are always, like, the coolest. Yeah, like us. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we too, yes. That's right. And you had a brother. Yes, he was uh, about four and a half years older than me. He was uh, definitely a big brother. When when he graduated high school, I was just getting into high school. Mm-hmm. He graduated 12th grade. I was just coming into ninth grade. So, yeah, it was not an entire generation, but a half generation away. So uh, I could say I learned a lot from him, but I didn't. <laughs> <laughs> well, he was older than me. You know, who when you're, uh, say, 10 years old, then I'm five years old. Right. When I get to be 10, he's 15. Mm-hmm. Who wants your younger brother hanging around with you? Although, you know, I can't say that that we didn't have any interaction or anything like that. He was he was a great big brother. I mean, he he taught me all sorts of stuff, taught me how to ride a bike, you know, mm-hmm. that, that usual stuff. When you're on the bike and he's got all, he says, okay, now the training wheels are off. I'm going to show you how to how to ride this. And this is the the standard cliche thing, mm-hmm. where you hold on to the back of the back of the seat, and okay, start pedaling, and I'd look around. He says, "No, I got you. Don't worry, I got you." And then, of course, he lets go once you start rolling, mm-hmm. and you're oh, I don't know, maybe fifty feet away or whatever it might be, and you hear him say, "Okay, I got you," and you realize. <laughs> That he doesn't gotcha. <laughs> See, I always saw that in movies. I thought, I, you know, I felt like we missed out on that because I grew up in the mountains where <laughs> ain't no place to ride your bike like that. No street. <laughs> <laughs> There's no way that you could have taught me how to ride a bike no, on those No, definitely mountains. not. <laughs> but whatever. I don't, you know, I, I'm okay. I don't really feel You're like okay it. with that. Oh, yeah, it's fine. I'm good. I was worried about that. <laughs> 
All right. So you grew up in Ford City. You yes. had the mom. Yeah, it sounds like you're, you know, a nice little, nice little family. Mm-hmm. Nice little, you know, two cats in the yard. And just kidding. I don't think <laughs> no cats. No, no. Mom didn't uh, really go for animals in the house. You know? No, no. But so that's great. And then do you remember when you were a kid what you thought you might want to be when you grew up? Um, you know, I never really gave it much thought. Never really did, because I was pretty much in the moment. Mm-hmm. You know, I was just, it was, like I said, small town. You, Your neighborhood really is kind of your world. When you do get to ride your bicycle by yourself, and your friends know how to do that, you might go to the upper end of town. Ah, mm. uh, yes, we're talking maybe 10 blocks away. Mm-hmm. But once again, you grow up in that small world. That was... That was the other side of the world. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, a lot of fun. You meet new kids and all of that sort of thing. We had a playground down uh, at the end of my block, but then that other one was, that was a treasure. Or not a treasure, that was a treat mm-hmm. to go up there. Now, this town is kind of, it's on, it's on a river. I don't the, remember. The Allegheny River, yes. The Allegheny River, mm-hmm. one, of, one of the Pittsburgh rivers. Things. The Allegheny and the Monongahela flow to the point and form the Ohio. Ah, Gotcha. Ah, down, ah. In, down in the Ohio Valley. Mm-hmm. Yes. And I always kind of, I remember when we went as kids to visit and there was like a train track bridge. It always had like a really stand by me feel to it. The <laughs> little, <laughs> little town. So Whenever I saw stand by me, that's the first thing I thought of. <laughs> oh, here's Ford City. And the attitudes of the kids back then, the same thing. You know, the older kids were, yeah, I better not catch you here, there or wherever because mm-hmm. you're in trouble. You know, so, okay, same stuff. That's right. So we were talking a little bit before we pressed record and, like, you were kind of laying out all the the jobs that you did do. Because you said you didn't really give much thought to it. Maybe that's a younger sibling thing because I really didn't. (laughs) I just, you know, you went with the flow. But you ended up doing a lot of, you know, different various things. Um, You worked in a clothing shop. You were a clothier. Mm -hmm. A clothier, yes. Very fancy. Um, And then when did you start? Music is kind of your passion. Mm -hmm. And music has always been something that like you've taught me how to appreciate really good music and how to listen to all kinds of cool stuff. So when did you kind of get into the, the music? Well, um, let's see here. How do you best describe this course? Um, my, uh, my brother had a, we didn't have a record player for the longest time. Uh, Turntable record player, whatever you want to call it. And he would borrow his friend's record player with all of his records. And his friend was about a year, maybe a year and a half older than him. Mm -hmm. So he had started work earlier than Butch did. And he borrowed all of those records. And I would just sit there and just for hours. And with 45 records, you could, you also had another side to them. So I just kind of learned different kinds of sounds too, or different different kinds of records, stuff that you didn't hear on the radio. Mm-hmm. And love that because of the, uh, uh, because it was different. So, uh, well, you know, I got, uh, got to be a mobile DJ mm-hmm. with a friend who was still in high school. This was after I graduated. Mm-hmm. And he and I kind of pulled our records together, got some equipment and went and did dances and parties and, and stuff like that. Then we had stopped doing that. He went to college, mm-hmm. and I was working as the clothier. Sure, yeah. <laughs> Very fancy. Yes, in a uh, 
Not in, not in the hometown, but the town next to it, which was the county seat. When I moved there, I thought I was in the big town. Ah, big hey, city right there. I'm in the city, although <laughs> it really wasn't, but it had a courthouse. Oh, yeah, that's something. <laughs> but yeah, right, right there along the Allegheny, too. And uh, so I'm working in the store, and one of the guys from that school comes in, and we're talking, and he says, hey, you know, they have an opening at the... Uh, radio station, you ought to go apply for it. And I said, well, I don't know. You know, I I couldn't. He says, yeah, but you know all that music and you do all those dances and all of that. I says, yeah, but, you know, being on, on air is a different thing. And he said, well, you know, you just thought I'd tell you. So I thought about it and was kind of shy about it and figured, well, nah, let me, uh, let me sit on that for a while. So I did. Mm-hmm. And of course, Six weeks later, when I called the station, no, that position's already been filled. Right. So I was determined at this point, finally after I uh, got the uh, the courage to do it, um, I said, well, how about if I come to the station and make a tape for you? You can put it on file if you get an opening. Give me a call. Mm-hmm. So I did that. Six months later, I get a call. You still interested? Oh, yeah, yeah, Definitely. So at that point, I had already started a record store with a friend. Like you were the owner of the record store. Yes, That's yes. Very we high were, fidelity and we super were, cool. Yes, we were co-owners, sold uh, LPs, forty fives, that whole thing, and uh, it was right down the street from the uh, high school and the elementary school. So we were able to get a lot of traffic in that way. Mm-hmm. And being that we were younger, the only other place really that you could buy records was the uh, uh, 5 and 10 store. Uh, 5 and 10, for those of you who are younger, uh, me meant just that. When when my parents were younger, there was a thing called a 5 and 10 cent store, which was a variety store, namely Woolworths and G.C. Murphy Company. And that's, if you wanted records, you went to the uh, went to Murphy's, 5 mm-hmm. and 10. So we started that. Um, being that we were of that age or around that age, like I said, we were, we were out of high school at that time. Uh, a lot of, got a lot of kids in there. And then I got the, the gig as a DJ on the air too. And it was, um, so it was a fun thing. I was doing music seven days a week. So now what year, like, do you remember what year? Yes. Yes. Uh, 1960. I was 20 years old. So like, Uh, I'm sorry, not 1960. 1966, I was 20. Okay. Yes. All right. So, like, what, uh, do you remember some of the, the artists that were going on then? Oh, yeah. Beatles were big. They hit uh, in 64. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And the whole music scene changed. Beatles hit. That was it. All the cards were off the table. Uh, new fashion. Uh, of course, new hairstyle. Nobody had ever seen hair that long. And within, oh, I don't know, maybe eight months, they were a group that had maybe some of the shortest hair around mm-hmm, mm-hmm. because those who appeared on the scene wanted to outdo them. But, you know, it, of course it wasn't about um, the you know how you looked, but it, like any other thing, it's the whole package. And that was part of it. Um, Beatles were big. Uh, let's see. Stone's soul music had really come in, and I was really into that. Motown had taken off. I was listening to Motown before it got really big. And the reason being is I listened to the uh, Soul Station, meaning the Black Station, 
but used to uh, used to get all of those those great sounds from there. Going to the um, um, the playground from my house, I would pass a lady's house who had all the greatest uh, R and B groups, R and B records that uh, you ever wanted to hear. She had six kids, and all of them. Well, let's say 99% of them are into music. One is an organist, self-taught. Um, his sister is a vocalist, and she is something else. Both of them sing. Mm-hmm. Um, the guy, Stanley, Stanley Hefner, who plays the organ, uh, won a state championship for uh, bass vocalist. I forget what year. Um, Kat, his sister, uh, they'll play together. She does her own thing with uh, some other groups, and Stan kind of, kind of does that on the side. Although it, you couldn't tell it, you would think that that's all he does. And her, uh, the oldest brother, who's a couple years younger than me, uh, Skip, is a very, very fine singer himself. Um, their other brother, uh, Steve, uh, does mobile DJ, and he doesn't just go out and play records. He puts on a show, he interacts with the crowd, he sings, sometimes his son comes along. So maybe I'm drawing out the story too much, but this is where uh, one of my early influences was. Hmm. And she, meaning the matriarch, uh, Juanita, had um, uh, had and is still playing, she's 88, playing organ in church every Sunday. Nice. Yes, very nice. Very nice. So very musical family. And I listened to stations that had different kinds of music than what you would hear on quote-unquote normal radio, whatever normal is. Mm-hmm. So yeah, it was a, it was a nice upbringing. Um, when I went into basic training in 1967, then um, I got out of radio because, you know, being in the, uh, uh, in the military, when I came back... It was, uh, and by the way, I was I was in the reserves, so I had a six-year thing. I didn't go two years like a draftee would or three years like a um, uh, somebody who had signed up. Mm-hmm. So uh, I had come back in four months. There were so many, Vietnam was happening at the time. There were so many uh, people who needed to be uh, in the, um, in basic training that, we were backlogged uh, as far as people joining the reserves and, and the National Guard, too. So, so in, sorry, instead was, of, it, was it voluntary? You, you voluntary? Yes. Okay. Yes. You, it's not like you like, got drafted. or I, don't, no, I no. honestly don't know how that works. Okay. No, if I would have gotten drafted, drafted I would have been in the, uh, uh, the service where I would have been in the service. Okay. That's it. Okay. So I was able to be what they called citizen soldier mm-hmm. and came back from that. Didn't go back to the radio station, went somewhere else. I worked as a cost accountant and a, uh, oh, gee, what else did I do? Um, there were several different jobs I had because it was a small company and I wanted to try my hand at, at a lot of different things. Mm-hmm. Um, cost accountant, I also uh, procured materials. It was a machine shop. So the metals that we needed, the tools that we needed, I would find out the best prices for those, get those. Um, did that while being on the radio, too. Uh, prior 
to doing that, though, after I had gotten back, I worked in a fertilizer plant, driving a forklift and a high lift. Did that for a short period. When when you're working by the Allegheny River in a plant that has virtually no heat, mm-hmm. uh, they, they had um, electric heaters that you couldn't stand next to because you were working. Mm-hmm. So the heaters were there, you weren't. Hmm. So I did that for a short time, but I uh, did a lot of different things. My goal in high school was to graduate. That's a good <laughs> That's goal. It. That's a worthy goal. <laughs> I, you know, I really didn't know what I wanted to, wanted to do, so I figured, well, I'm a tumbleweed. I'll go wherever it, uh, wherever I can find roots. Yeah, that makes sense. And uh, how did your parents feel about you, like doing the music stuff, or like do you think that it made a difference to them? Well, uh, they supported me. They thought that was great. Matter of fact, uh, for graduation present, I got a tape recorder. Hmm. Um, that was uh, mom's doing. She knew how much uh, I liked music, and she went to dad and said, "Hey, you know, this is what we ought to do for this guy because he's into this." So, um, and I got it early too. Hmm. Rather than waiting for graduation, um, I got it maybe six months prior to graduation. Oh, that's awesome. It's yeah. Like, I mean, I had supportive parents, so it's really nice to know that, that you had supportive parents. And I did. The tape recorder was like <clears throat> new technology, right? Well, no, it wasn't new. Okay. But <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. No, it, it definitely wasn't new, but um, it was something that not... Everybody had. I knew a couple of a couple of other guys that had. One guy in my uh, my class, genius, genius when it came to electronics, math, just about anything, worked at the radio station. And whenever the radio station signed off the air, which is a strange concept in these days, but when you have a low power station, you sign off the air at sunset. Okay. And whenever they signed off the air, then. I would go in, some friends of ours would come in as well, and we would record some music on the tape recorder. Mm-hmm. So I learned some things from him, and you you walk into a studio and you're intimidated. Mm-hmm. You see all the dials and all the knobs and the buttons and all of the machinery or the equipment there, and very intimidating. But right. uh, three years later, there I am on the air. So it couldn't have been too intimidating. No, I guess not. No. Okay, cool. So now you mentioned that your goal was to graduate high school. I said that was a worthy goal. Ah, yes. Yeah. And so what made that your goal? Like, did you study something special in high school? Well, um, with dad growing up, uh, dad and mom both growing up, Great Depression. Mm -hmm. Uh, The the thing to do there was to find a job. Mm -hmm. So dad never finished school, high school. Um, I think it was 10th grade. And that's it. That's enough. I'm going to go to work, and there's a good living working at PPG, so he did that. And Mom quit school when she was a uh, senior and stayed out a year, but then went back and got her diploma and actually did graduate. So I thought it was very important to graduate high school. Meantime, uh, a lot of the other kids were concentrating on going to college. Mm -hmm. Well, it you know could have been an option or it was an option, but I just didn't feel like I wanted to be in school to you know being part of the academia or whatever. I don't even know if that's the proper word. Mm-hmm. Um, 
so I, I took something different. When I first went in, I uh, algebra and chemistry uh, in ninth grade, and then started thinking about a future. And, you know, at least I was thinking about some future. I had to do something when I got out of high school. Um, and this actually was my dad's influence. Being that he would go to union meetings, he said, you know, we, what you ought to do is take shorthand. Because I'll be at the meetings and I'll see guys sitting there and they're, they're taking notes. And he says, I'd love to know how to do that. So I switched to the business course in 10th grade, took typing, shorthand, and there was a thing called office practice where you learned how to operate various office machines too. Mm -hmm. There were, I was the only guy, there were no guys really taking typing, shorthand. Uh, so I was the only guy who took um, shorthand. Let's see, I also did bookkeeping because algebra wouldn't work in a business world necessarily. It may, but uh, thought I needed to um, to have a background in that as well. But no other guys doing that that sort of thing. Um, so it was it was a bit different in our shorthand class. I think we only had when we were seniors. Uh, I think we only had maybe ten or twelve people in the class. Junior year, shorthand one, uh, as well as typing one, and then went on from there. Now, I was offered a job in Washington, D.C. They had people who would come to various schools and recruit. Okay. Matter of fact, uh, Phyllis, my current wife, was also in the, uh, in the same class, and she had gotten an offer. And things being the way they were with uh, parent, parental control in those days, her parents did not allow her to go to D.C. all by herself at 18 years old, mm -hmm. you know, that sort of thing. And my parents didn't allow me. And I said, yeah, but here's whatever amount of money. But here's the money I'd be making. Well, they shot that down with, yeah, but the cost of living is higher, so it's not not that much. Mm -hmm. So I didn't do that. Um when, uh, then I got into, like I said, working as a clothier. And by the way, too, that was the the whole scene was the Rat Pack at that time. Okay, Sinatra, Dean Martin, mm -hmm. uh, Sammy Davis, all of those guys, and they all entertained in Vegas. You had to be very well dressed then. The uh, being in a clothing store, then of course you had to have. I had shirts of every color short sleeve and long sleeve uh all the ties you name you could name suits sport coats the whole the whole deal mm -hmm. and when, in those days too whenever you went out on a date uh you would usually dress up and i don't mean necessarily you wear a tie you might wear a turtleneck with a sport coat that sort of thing and uh that's kind of the way it was i remember working with guys uh when i was in denver and you know much younger well much younger your age yeah. <laughs> uh, half my age. All right. And telling them about um, uh, being on a date where you could go have dinner, uh, see a movie, put gas in the car, and you did that with a $20 bill and still had change at the end of the evening. Sure. Yeah. That was nice. Yeah. Like that. It's, not, it's not like that anymore. I don't no, think. no. I, mean, I don't know. I haven't dated in several As years. I, but. <laughs> nor, nor I. <laughs> So that's, I mean, that's awesome. So yeah. you, so you, you know, went through school, you finished your high school, you went through the basic training. Mm -hmm. And then at some point you decided you were going to move to 
Well, actually, going to go to Phoenix. Never made it. I'm going to Phoenix. Well, no, I'm going to Tucson. Well, I was flying into Phoenix. <laughs> You're so going, going to Arizona. Yeah, yeah. next week. But. Uh, your mother and I met up in 72. I was um, really not, there was really not much to do around that time because the, the glass plant was, it was still going, but it wasn't, there was talk of it moving away and all of that sort of thing. And I thought, you know, I'm in, I've been in this area all my life. I was 26 at the time. I had just gotten my uh, honorable discharge. So I had really nothing to keep me there. Your mother and I met up. She said that she was going to, she was thinking about heading out west. So we pulled our resources, mm -hmm. got a uh, an old bread truck from her uh, stepdad, or not from her stepdad, a friend of her stepdad's. Okay, like a Wonder Bread truck? Yeah, okay. yeah, something like that. And, uh, <laughs> you know, it was refurbished and all of that. Uh, so in, in that way, we had room enough to carry some belongings. Mm -hmm. And we suffered a couple of breakdowns along the way. By the time we got to Denver, I had a friend who was uh, stationed at the, uh, uh, the Army Hospital there, and this is regular Army. Mm -hmm. He Well, actually... He was in the reserves, too. He wasn't in my unit. He was in a different unit. And he um, uh, decided to join up. Joined up, went out to Denver was his uh, uh, his station. So stopped to see him. And it was getting to be the end of summer. We had already planned to be in Phoenix. Didn't make it that far, so... We were planning our future and looked at the mountains and looked at each other and said, you know, we might miss that snow. Let's camp here for a while. Mm -hmm. So we camped there for a while. And 40 years later, mm -hmm. <laughs> we pulled up stakes. But as you well know, we had split up. For sure. Since then, um, say, at about 31 years. Mm -hmm. And, it, you know, it was just one of those where... Um, it's life. Like I said, I was a tumbleweed. Mm -hmm. And she wanted to do something different. I, she was already retired because that was her goal. I mean, she worked hard. Mm -hmm. My mother's a hard-working lady. Mm -hmm. And one of the things, too, I have to say, that she was so hard-working and was so um, uh, ready to jump into a career, I shouldn't say jump in, ready to have a career, mm -hmm. and she worked hard at that, that um, she was, uh, she had made enough money to support the three of us. You weren't around yet. So, oh, know, man. Sarah was around. Yeah, well, you know, <laughs> then you came along, and she was the breadwinner. I was able to be a stay-at-home dad, which is the best thing that I have ever done in my life. I was able to do that for about five years. Yeah. I've known you since, well, I've known Sarah too, of course. <laughs> but in the early years, Sarah was, uh, when we lived in the mountains mm -hmm. in Evergreen, as you well know, small mountain community. Yeah. When Sarah was born in 77, there was not a lot of daycare to speak of. So we had to find good daycare and the good ones were moving on. The not-so-good ones were staying there, but we pulled her out for whatever reason. And um, when Sarah was about a year old, 
your mom and I sat down and decided, well, like I said, she wanted a career bawling my eyes out because I'm thinking, what is this? We already talked about years. There was always a, a, a mom at home mm-hmm. uh, with all my friends, and that was the norm. In the 70s, totally different thing. Mm-hmm. Women went to work, and there was daycare for the kids. Just so, for, sorry, just for context for yeah. people. This is Sarah. My sister was born in 1977. Correct. So, and I was born in 1980. So we're talking about like 78, 79. 78 was when I started uh, uh, to be a stay-at-home dad. Which, like, was pretty weird for then, right? I mean, I remember when you would go on field trips with me. <laughs> you were definitely the only dad there. It was all moms and you. Yeah, the teacher would say, "Well, moms." And dad, yeah. <laughs> she, she would hesitate. <laughs> and the thing is, too, some of the, the field trips that I went on with Sarah, of course, then you're coming up a couple of years later. Mm-hmm. I went on the same trips with you, the same field trips with you. And it was it was just the greatest time, the greatest time. I loved it. Well, yeah. I mean, you had really good kids, so. <laughs> I, I, I heard that from somebody. Yeah. yeah, I think it was me. I think I might have been the only one that ever said that, but. <laughs> well, that's great. So, um, and so you settled in Colorado, which yes. is, of course, where I was born. A little mm-hmm. town called Evergreen, mm-hmm. which is not a little town anymore. No, it's not. It's a it's a booming metropolis. Indeed. Uh, we were we were mountain people, you know. Like mm-hmm. I would say, like my my sister and I kind of grew up grow uh, playing in the creek that was across the street, you know. <laughs> the creek. Yeah, yes. and we had a, a property that was like built into the mountain, kind of, and we had you know a few acres that went straight up into the. On the, the, on the mountain there. Yeah, actually it was an acre and a half, but it okay. did straight up, but, you know, still kind of at, a, at an incline. You could go up there yeah. without breaking your neck, in other words. For sure. And I, that was, I mean, that was a nice place to grow up. Yeah, it was a nice yeah. little, I always, we were like an hour away from Denver, like 45 minutes away from Denver. And I just thought, when I was a kid, I thought it was lame because we were so far away from the big city. <laughs> but... You know, as an adult, I would give anything to live <laughs> far away from the big city now. Well, see, that's it. You know, being in with commuting distance, then when I was working, I was able to make some decent money. And, and your mother, too, as you know, as I had mentioned, she was able to support uh, four people. Mm-hmm. So that was, uh, yeah, that was really nice. There were nice roads to, mm-hmm. uh, to get down there. And, and uh, even though it was a mountain community, even uh, the... Uh, Roads were very well kept, so mm-hmm. because a lot of people did commute to Evergreen, right? Or commute to Denver, rather, right? From other Evergreen and some of the other communities. Now, the reason I talked about music before is yes. because the bulk of my existence, you were doing music stuff for the most part. I mean, you were, you know, you were the stay-at-home dad with me um, until I was a kid. Or until I was <laughs> until I was a bigger kid, <laughs> and then you know you had some other jobs. You know, working at Andersons. I worked in a convenience store twice. Oh, yeah. I worked there too. Sarah worked yes. there too. Yes, <laughs> I worked on the phone selling meat. Yeah. Oh, geez. <laughs> Coupon books, um, just just different things. Yeah. Um, anything to you know to bring in a buck. Sure. It's just the way I did it. The way I wanted to do it. What I remember the most is when you worked at the radio stations, mm-hmm. and then you were also a mobile DJ again. Mm-hmm. And I would go. That was the cool. Like that was the bee's knees to go to work <laughs> with my dad because you know I mean, mom had a cool job. I didn't know what mom did. Like she she had an office. She had her own secretary, and she had a whiteboard or a chalkboard. So I always assumed she just like 
taught people stuff on the chalkboard. <laughs> and I thought it was cool that she had her own secretary. I don't remember really what she did, but you, I mean, yours was tangible. Like I could watch you, you know, if you would take me along on the, the mobile DJ, you know, I'd watch you DJ a wedding. Or... Oh, well, and, and you were kind enough to come along one time when I needed, uh, I wasn't, there was a particular form of music that I didn't have a lot of, and you seem to have more knowledge of. Mm -hmm. So you were there to help me, and you helped out great. Yeah. It was it was just, you did a fantastic job. I'm going to put that on my resume. And Oh, definitely. <laughs> and, and, you know, I've got to say, too, that you were talking about uh, you really didn't know what your mother did. She was program director at Home for Developmentally Disabled. Mm -hmm. And she worked her way up. She got she got there to you know to take care of people. Next thing you know, she's she could have had the directorship, but declined on it because she wouldn't be making any more money than she already was. Yeah, I didn't realize like how high up she was until actually after she died when we had her, like a party at Sarah's house for it, and people were like talking about how important she was. But mm -hmm. that's neither here nor there. But yeah, I mean, she, <laughs> I'm just saying yours was more entertaining for sure. <laughs> To go, and then <laughs> when you worked at the radio station, specifically K High, that's when I had braces. Yes, very yes. nice braces <laughs> from like twelve to fourteen, and um, I would get to play. Like, and you worked at a, so K High was a jazz station. It started out to be a classic rock station. Okay. Oh yeah, I loved that. Okay, but you then know. it turned into jazz, like Kenny well, G jazz, not like. Right. Not well. For those of you who like smooth jazz, please. <laughs> I worked there four, me. 14 years. I worked there 14 years <laughs> from when it was a classic rock station to when it turned into smooth jazz. But for me, my choice is traditional jazz, trad jazz, whatever you want to call it. Uh, you know, bebop stuff and improvisational stuff, that sort of thing. But I did work jazz in Pittsburgh uh, years prior to that. So whenever they said they were going to change to jazz, I thought, oh, yeah, this is great. Well, it was great to a degree, but, you know, you, it wasn't what I was thinking, uh, what I was expecting. Mm -hmm. But, you know, you still did it. It, it was fun. Yeah. Well, I enjoyed being on the air. It was great. Oh, yeah. And people enjoyed you being on the air. And the reason I mentioned that is because you had the six, what, like six to ten or six oh, to midnight? Oh, I worked, oh, geez. Uh, no, seven to midnight. Seven to midnight. Well, no, actually six to midnight when we when we first started, the um, uh, the hours the shifts were stretched a little bit further out because mm -hmm. uh, you hired less people that way. Right. But I think most people, if they think of the the the, the popular radio people, you'd think the morning shift, mm -hmm. you know, because they're the wacky ones yeah, that get to play yeah. all the sound effects. And then you've got the, the drive home guys that are also kind of like that. Mm -hmm. But for a smooth jazz station, the bulk of the listenership happens in the evening when you're mellowing out. So you were like, you were like the guy. Well... <laughs> <laughs> at at that point, the, I did work the morning shift once. Mm -hmm. Were you and, wacky? And Michael uh, K's wacky no, show? <laughs> <laughs> no, you know, and not so much. Okay, zing. Uh, no, no, no. No, uh, no cowbells, none of that. <laughs> and I do know you need more cowbell, That's but I right. didn't have any. That's right. Um, and I I did the afternoon shift, and I did drive too. Um, but you know, some somebody said. Uh, you know, you've got that really smooth voice mm -hmm. for this um, uh, this format. You need to be on the air seven to midnight, or well, it was six to midnight at that point. I said, "Yeah, but I got a family." Well, you know, if you want to feed the family, 
this is what you do. <laughs> so I said, well, okay. Well, that's when people that's when people want to listen to a smooth, a smooth voiced, smooth jazz kind of. Well, thing. thank you. It was it was really uh, fun, and I don't want to say tailor made, but that's as you well know, that's my personality. Mm-hmm. I'm just a laid back kind of guy. That's right. And so you would you would do that, and I'd go to the orthodontist with you. And I got, <laughs> first of all, I got to stay up late, and that was cool. And I usually get Arby's afterwards, which I don't know why, but I always thought that was a delicacy. And then we would go to your work, and you would be in your studio, and I knew all the rules. Like, if the light was on, I couldn't come in there because you were on the air. Sometimes I did – you did – I did get to be on the air with you a couple times when I was mm-hmm. when I was little, but then I would Indeed. sit in the other studio where, like, because you know, there's nobody else in the studio, and I would like play with all the tracks, you know, mm-hmm. like because like, you put the cartridge in and you could listen to like cow sounds or <laughs> <so>. <laughs> all the sound effects, yeah. Yeah, so mm-hmm. I'd like make up my own show in my head. So I guess, and that's and now I have a podcast. So. Yeah, see, there it is. And there's tens of listeners out there. Oh so, yeah, yeah that's it. we're talking to tens of people. Thank you. <laughs> and I appreciate you, every single one of you out there. So that's great. And then I remember um, when I was in Girl Scouts, we we brought the troop to come, and it was like uh-huh. we brought the troop to the radio station, and everybody like I just felt like I was like the it kid, you know. <laughs> My dad has like super cool job. And you know it's it's a job like anything else. When when you're not doing that job, being that you're in front of people, at least your voice is, that it seems uh, I don't want to say glamorous, but it seems so different from everything else because it's something that a lot of consumers. When I say that, I mean listeners, but a lot of consumers uh, listeners pick up on that product, so they consume uh, all of those sounds mm-hmm. and. You, you reach a, a broader range of consumer, I guess you should say. And um, it, it seems bigger than it really is because once you do get into it, then you're a working stiff just like anybody else. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah, you can make good money, but yeah, you can make lousy money too. When the, one of the stations that I worked at in Pittsburgh was an AM, AM and an FM. And I worked... Every shift on both the AM and the FM in the three years that I was there, with the exception of the uh, Italian carousel, Sal okay. uh, Paratucci's Italian carousel, and uh, Joe Mellis's um, polka bandstand. So, all right, it was it was great learning experience. Great, you know, I got to do a lot of stuff. But you know, we had the jazz and we had middle of the road stuff and just a lot of good stuff. Yeah, and I, you know, it was always fun going on the remotes with you, Taste of Colorado. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we had a good time. Ross Perot, you got to do the Ross Perot's <laughs> convention. <laughs> his rally, yeah. Yeah, his rally. Was that, I think that was <clears throat> before he dropped out of the race. Yes. Yeah. Run, run. Ross, run. Run, Ross, run. <laughs> that was really something. And and you did get to ride on the double-decker bus at the St. Patty's Day Parade. Yeah. Denver, you and your sister. Yeah. I have that picture, the two of us in the green... Green stripe. Oh, oh, we were so cute. My God. I don't yes, know. I don't know what did. happened to us. But. <laughs> you got cuter. That's right. That is right. So, I mean, I always thought that was a really cool job. It was a cool thing. It, there were a couple holidays I remember. I feel like it was like Easter or something if your shift coincided. Maybe not Easter because that was a Sunday. But there were a couple holidays where we would have to turn on the radio to listen to you. Because, mm-hmm. you know, it would just be Mom and Sarah and I. So, but, you know. I mean, it was nice to know that your family's there listening to you. That's right. We that were. made it so special, That's so right. much more special. And yes. we even listened to the smooth jazz in between you talking. So, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I 
I'm just kidding. I like some smooth jazz. It's fine. Uh, yeah, it's it's good. Don't get me wrong. You know, I don't want to apologize for what I did. Like I said, I worked there 14 years, <laughs> um, and it was it was a good thing. I met a lot of really nice people, and I, you know, the the artists were just so down to earth, mm-hmm. just great people, and the audience, the listeners too. I'd get a chance to get out on uh, on remotes to meet them. Also, there would be uh, concerts mm-hmm. that I would go to represent the station. Uh, different people. Jeez, uh, Mannheim Steamroller was one that I remember. There was, jeez, uh, uh, Kirk Whalem. Uh, uh, like you said, Kenny G. Well, no, no, never worked with Kenny G. Uh, Craig Chakiso, who uh, is a fantastic guitarist. He was with Jefferson Airplane as well as Jefferson Starship. Decided to go out on his own. Mm-hmm. Um, there are so many that are running through my head right now. I can't pick this one, that one, and, and mm-hmm. those. But everybody. And fantastic uh, Denver artists, too. Mm-hmm. Local artists. These guys were really great. Dot Zero. Yeah. Met those guys. I always liked them. Uh, Images, another group who's unfortunately not together anymore. Or maybe they reformed. You never know. I, I retired almost 10 years ago, so I don't know. Well, that's way cool. So yeah, I mean, you did that. You did that for a good long time. Yes. That was that was always a cool. I had the cool dad yeah. for sure. <laughs> uh, I had you fooled. <laughs> all right. Well, you know, all my friends thought you were cool too, and you had like the long hair. You were kind of like hippie. Well, that's uh, you know that was part of that uh, generation. You still kind of like a hippie. Well, that's what I hear. <laughs> <laughs> so you retired ten years ago. Yeah. Yeah. You mentioned, like we, we've already mentioned that, you know, you and mom split up and that it's, you know, it is what it is. It's fine. Mm-hmm. Actually, it was eight years ago. I'm sorry, but that's neither here nor there. That's okay. So <clears throat> then, um, so then you decided to stay in Colorado for a bit. Just yeah, living, I, living I in worked, the mountains there. Yeah. I worked as a satellite technician. Mm-hmm. For Clear Channel. Uh, yes. Yeah. Yes. And that was for 11 years. Okay. Yeah. So you did that. You were living in Colorado, up in the mountains. You're a mountain man. Ah, yes. Split my own wood. That's right. All of that. Sure, you bet. That's I enjoy right. that. I really enjoy that life. Mm-hmm. It was great. Just cold. It not was... not nearly as cold as it gets can- in here in Canada, though. <laughs> <laughs> not nearly as cold as, as Pennsylvania in the 50s, either. I bet not. Oh, it was nuts. The snow would fall down in, in say, late October, early November. You would see the ground in March. Mm-hmm. Gray skies. Trees had lost their leaves. Yeah, you know. I know that life. <laughs> well, that's 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 right. Live that's, that life. That's sunshine in Colorado, though. You know, it was year round. Oh, I know. Yeah, you can't you can't really mess with it. And people always say, you know, oh, you live in Canada, but you're from Colorado. You're used to the cold. And I'm like, no, no, <laughs> it's way different. And when you when you uh, retire and you move to Florida, after living in the mountains for forty years, well, th- say thirty six of those forty years, right? Then your blood thins out. And you get a little bit chillier than you used to be, even though people think you should be used to it. That's right. So, uh, and you're living in Florida now. Yes, yes. How long have you lived in Florida? Well, when I retired yeah. eight years ago. Eight years ago, okay. I, uh, Phyllis and I got together. Like I said, we had some class. We never dated. We knew each other or have known each other since first grade, mm-hmm. but never dated. We had some classes together, and that was it. I knew her, and, you know, but... Like I like to tell people, and she cringes every time I tell this, <laughs> my first day of school in uh, first grade, right? that I had never been around that many kids before. And there was a lot of mayhem and talking and, you know, kids, you're five, six years old. For sure. 
and no teacher in the room at that particular point. And you know how it is when you're at a movie and they do a slow down kind of thing and they focus maybe on one person Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and everything else becomes foggy or faded. Right. And all you see is that one person. It's like in Wayne's World when they did Dreamweaver. There you go. Okay. Okay. (laughs) And... (laughs) But it wasn't Bohemian Rhapsody, yeah, definitely. Right, no, definitely not. But um, there was one of those things where I saw her and thought, wow. <laughs> <laughs> of course, being five years old, you don't know what to do. But no, yeah. uh, she, you know, she struck me then as, uh, as being something very special. And you know me, I'm, I'm a laid back guy, kind of mm-hmm. move a lot. I have two speeds, slow and slower. Yeah. So we really didn't get together until I was, we were, 65. Mm-hmm. So it took me 60 years to get up to courage. Well, at least you're <laughs> together now. <laughs> Indeed. Been married for three years now, so. That's right. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, yeah, we've had a good time. But um, like I said, yeah, it kind of took me a while. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, well, now you live in Florida and it's all warm there. <laughs> well, yeah, and what I like to tell people, too, is when when we moved from Evergreen mm-hmm. to Pine, mm-hmm. it was further up in elevation. It was 8,500 feet. Right. And now on the uh, on the beach, sea level, in a condo on the eighth floor, mm-hmm. so I tell them I went from 8,500 to 85. Yeah, I can see so. that. <laughs> <laughs> and that's Just great. A little bit different. Yeah. yeah. And, now you, and so you guys are, you know, both retired. Mm-hmm. And you guys, you know, do the retired living on the beach thing. Mm-hmm. Came to, came up to Canada, able to do that, to see you and everybody else. I'm so happy we spent you Father's have, Day together yesterday. Yes, we did. And you have a wonderful family, too. Ah, oh, thanks. And, you know, I just uh, got to see Philip on Father's Day as well. Mm-hmm. And we had nice uh, nice brunch. Yeah. Uh, it was great. And you consented to do this podcast interview. So, And like I said, you've listened to some of my episodes before. So you know kind of the heart of the show is pearls from my mom. Yes. Generally, I talk to people whose mothers have passed away, and you yes. have a mom. So was there anything that you learned from Grandma? Do you think she had like a great pearl of wisdom? that? Uh, that you know, I can't her? really track it down to any one pearl of wisdom other than to be a good person. Mm-hmm. She was always very, very pleasant around people. She um, she would go out of her way to make somebody feel comfortable. Mm-hmm. And like I said, her her uh, her world was the home. Mm-hmm. She's a very good homemaker. When she got to be an Avon lady, then she started to branch out. She would go to people's homes, and at one point, she couldn't. Uh, Somebody wasn't going to be home whenever the, um, the, let me just say this, that whenever that was supposed to be delivered, the lady wouldn't be home. So she said, well, I can come to see you and pick it up at your place. So when mom heard that, then everybody was coming to pick up from her place. She Mm -hmm. didn't go out. (laughs) She stayed in her castle. You know, they say a man's home is his castle. No. That castle belonged to mom mm-hmm. yeah and she and also your parents were married well we were there for their 50th anniversary mm-hmm. so your parents stayed married for it was like 50 62 years 62 years 62 years yeah. mm-hmm. mom passed in 03 okay and, yeah and dad in 04 mm-hmm. and they were they were seven years apart um, dad was 92 when he passed mom was 85 
He was 92 and a half. Yes. 92. Yes. <laughs> yes. You know, actually, uh, closer to 92 and three quarters. The only reason I mention that is because when I went to go visit him, I visited him on the 4th of July, the year that he passed away. He passed away in like September. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Early September. Yeah. So. And, and his birthday was in November. Okay. So I visited him in, in 4th of July and he's, he made sure to tell people that he was 92 and a half because he said the older that you get and the younger that you are. <laughs> You have to get those halves in there. He would also, uh, no matter what age it would be, he would convert it into dog years. You know? <laughs> so he'd say, well, I'm only 10 or 13 or whatever it might be, you know. <laughs> That's awesome. I'm I'm really glad I got to take that trip. We were we were drinking on the patio the other night, and I was telling you the time when I picked him up at the, at the hospital. He appreciated that so much. He was just, oh, you don't know how much you did for him then. I thought it was so cool to get to spend time with him. Like, you know, grandma was gone and mm -hmm. um, he had he had like a pace. It was a pacemaker or a stint put in to his, it was something with his heart. Um, no, not a pacemaker, not a stint. Uh, he did. He did have some, well, some problems in that area, but uh, as, never... as you do when you're 92. Yes. yes. And a half. But he was he would get out every day and, and walk. I know I walked with I I went to yeah. bars with him and he drank at every bar. <laughs> yeah, you know, not like he slammed him down or anything, but he had a bar in or a, a drink at each bar, a draft, yeah. and uh, he would sign the book. Mm -hmm. And for people who don't know what that is, uh, various bars. Well, these were clubs. One was a Slovak club. We're Slovak. Mm -hmm. One was a Polish club, and the other one was the VFW. Mm -hmm. uh, he. Wasn't a vet. He was never in the service. Uh, when World War II came about, he was too old to get drafted and had a family and had to support us and, you know, that whole thing. I wasn't even around at that point. Um, but he would uh, uh, go in and sign the book. What you do is you pay a dollar. Mm -hmm. You sign your name. There's a drawing. Well, you, you had two books. One was the daily drawing. One was the week weekend drawing. Mm -hmm. Weekly, rather. And if you were there, you got the entire amount that was put in. If you were not there and your name was drawn, then you would get half the amount. All right. So he would go there, and that was just, he had been doing it all his life. Yeah. And at one point, his doctor said, you know, you really ought to cut off drinking beer. Mm -hmm. Dad said, well, okay. He cut, he cut down on Actually, he didn't drink at all. He started drinking orange juice mm -hmm. when he'd go to the bar. And he started feeling bad, so he went back to drink, and he was great. <laughs> he yeah. felt better. When felt I was better. when I went with him after he got out of the hospital, he was he was drinking beer with orange juice in it. So he got like oh okay yeah he cut back a little bit. Got his vitamin C yeah. But the lady at the the nurse at the hospital comes in and she she goes, "Are you feeling okay, Andy?" And he looked at me. I mean, just dead ass. And he goes, "Apparently, she thinks I had my ears worked on and not my." <laughs> He was just so sassy. <laughs> <laughs> yes, he was. Whenever, <laughs> and of course he was. He was joking here, but whenever, uh, and you know that's what he told me later because I, Dad, really, <laughs> and no, he said I was just just joking. Uh, there was there was one point he was in uh, the the hospital, and I went. He needed to go to the bathroom, so I said, "Oh, I can help you up." I went to take his arm, and I thought. I don't know. If I pull too hard, maybe it's going to, you know, I'm not skilled to do this. Yeah. So I said, Dad, hang on. I'll get a couple of nurses. And went to the hallway, just just walked out the door, and there were two nurses coming down the hallway. And I said, oh, 
How fortuitous. <laughs> uh, here you are. Uh, Dad needs some help getting out of bed to go to the bathroom. Oh, okay. He had already sat up. And one nurse on one side, one on the other, and one said, Well, Andy, we're here to help you to the bathroom. And he stops and he said, Let's see, last time I was in the bathroom with two girls was uh, 19... Uh, and his voice trailed off. <laughs> Grandpa. Okay, Dad. <laughs> yeah, he had a great sense of humor. That's funny. Sixty-two years. That's a that's a really long time to be married. Oh, I'm telling you, they um, they surprised me. I didn't, you know. Well, I guess not. I shouldn't say surprised me. I'm I'm just surprised that uh, they <laughs> they lived that long. I guess yeah. to be together sixty-two years. And I know, you know, that there are people who are who live. Uh, or are together longer than that. Um, Dad comes from, or I should say we both come from people who have a long lifespan. Yes. His brother was 95 All right. when he passed. Uh, his his, um, his one, one sister yeah. was 92. Mm-hmm. Um, let's see, another one was uh, late 80s, just about to be 90. Mm-hmm. And another one was early '90s. The youngest one went first, but that was a whole different story. Mm-hmm. That mm-hmm. was an accident. Ooh. Yes. All right. Well. So yeah, we have long lineage. We've got here. The, yeah, that's, mm-hmm. I'll take it. I like yeah. That. Hey. <laughs> I figure I got some more years to go. Well, that's mm-hmm. good. So sure. we've we've heard your pearl from your mom. Yes. We've heard a little bit of sass from grandpa. Mm-hmm. What do you have a pearl? <laughs> do I have a pearl? Let's see. What's what's dad's pearl from? Um, oh, jeez. You know, I can't can't break it down um, except to say, be happy, be kind, first of all. Uh, you know, just, just leave, uh, I, I can't being that I'm not younger anymore, but there was one time, uh, where I would subscribe to James Dean's Pearl of Wisdom, which was, uh, paraphrasing here, uh, live fast, die young and leave a good, uh, good looking corpse. Mm-hmm. So, <laughs> but I'm definitely not, uh, subscribing to that. All right. That's good. But no, I, I just think. Live your life, be happy. Make sure that those around you are happy as well. And uh, I don't know. One thing that I've always liked to say is that uh, uh, today is my best day ever, and tomorrow is even better. No, oh, I like that. I like that. I can tell you a couple of pearls of wisdom from you. And that would be one. One was to be kind to other people, and you like. I always, like, kind of to a fault, like, I always thought you sided with other people, you know? <laughs> like, I would come home from a bad day, <laughs> I'd, like, say something, and I'd want, you know, you want other people to be like, oh, yeah, that does suck, that person's a jerk. And you'd be like, well, now you don't know what they're going through, like, maybe they're having a rough time. And specifically, I, I really remember this, is I came home, and it, I don't remember what age I was, but I was really young, and there was a racist joke that somebody had said at school. And, you know, when you're a kid, you just hear something, other people laugh, and so you think it's funny. Mm-hmm. So I came home and I repeated it to you, and you, I mean, you could have yelled at me, you could have said, watch the language, but you said, explain to me why that's funny. And I was like, I don't, I don't <laughs> actually know, just one kid said it and the other kids laughed, and then you use that as a teaching. So instead of just, like, barking at me like I do with my kids, you actually 
and I'm like, I don't know how old I was, but I must have been under 10. And that, you know, I don't have very few memories that I can remember from them. But that was one where I was just like, oh, okay. So, and you told me that words hurt and that it does matter what you say. And that, you know, like, even if it doesn't hurt somebody right in front of you, it's that mentality that, that you know, you can just say whatever. And I think in the internet world now... You know, oh. we could use more people standing up for others and saying, "Okay, tell me why that's funny." Indeed. Oh, you oh you can't. Okay, well then don't say it because <laughs> it's not funny and, it, mm -hmm. and it's hurtful to people. So that was a huge lesson for me. So I always appreciated that. I'm glad to hear that. Yeah. I'm so glad to hear that. You know, to to know that something you've done has made an impact, mm -hmm. and I know you've imp impacted others with that too. So yeah, I try. Keeps on going. I try. Mm -hmm. That and you were always really like a uh, supportive of all the dreams that I had. So even like whatever crazy thing, cause I'm, I'm one of those people that's like over here, over here. How about this? Like shiny squirrel, you know, like it's just like your dad. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and you were always really supportive of that. And so I always really appreciated that. Oh, most definitely. All right. Now, last thing. Yes. You've lost both your parents. Mm -hmm. You lost your brother mm -hmm. at a pretty young age. So you've gone through some grief. I mean, there's other heartaches and, you know, other grieving things that you've had to go through. So Oh, we all have. Yes. That's right. So because this is a show, you know, generally people that listen have lost somebody or, you know, mm -hmm. might be, you know, kind of gearing themselves up for losing somebody. So do you have any advice to people about grief or how to deal with it, how to come through on the other side? Well, um you know, being that my life has always been about music, or most of it, that um, uh, the Dust in the Wind song from Kansas, mm -hmm. All We Are is Dust in the Wind, that that to me kind of sums it all up. Uh, well, there's another song, too, uh, Get Together from the Youngbloods, We Are But a Moment Sunlight Fading in the Grass, mm. you know, just to wax poetic here. Mm-hmm. I like that. Yeah, it's uh, uh, just do well. Just be happy. Yeah. And by being happy, that means don't uh, necessarily get your kicks by making somebody else miserable. Mm -hmm. Just be happy. Make sure that they have a good time. That's what I used to do whenever I was going to uh, DJ a gig, that I would want the other people to have a good time. Uh, Pearl of Wisdom from something else that I like to subscribe to is from Hendrix, Jimi Hendrix, mm. who said, I'm the only one that's got to die when it's time for me to die, so let me live my life the way I want to. And that can be taken a myriad number of ways, mm -hmm. but once again, just don't hurt anybody, including yourself. Mm -hmm. I like it. I think that's a good note to end on. Hmm. All right, Dad. Well, thanks for coming on to my show. Thanks for coming up to Canada. I'm sad oh, you guys have to leave tomorrow. Yeah. But it's been such a great visit with you and Phyllis, and it's been so nice having you on. Thank you. And it's it's been nice to have been on. Yeah. <laughs> um, I remember uh, uh, interviewing some people uh, in the radio days and saying, thanks for being here. And that person would say, well, thanks for having me. And I'd mm -hmm. say, well, thanks for being had. <laughs> Perfect. Mm-hmm. All right, Dad. Well, well I love you. I uh, love you too, Jess. All right, signing off. We're gone. <laughs> it was so great having my dad here. And I think you could tell that was Father's Day weekend that he was here. And it was just so nice to have him here. And it was just nice to hear 
uh, things about my past and about my history that I didn't know. And of course, here's some of the great stories that I have known, but would like to hear again. So thank you so much for listening to my dad and I chat today. And as always, I'm really looking forward to interacting with you more. So if you're listening to this and you are so inclined, please feel free to find Pearls from my mom on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. I have a Facebook group. You can find all the information for everything on pearlsfrommymom.com. So please head over there and do join me in the conversation. I'd love to get feedback about what you like about the show. I'd love to get feedback about what you'd like to hear more. And I'd love to just chat with you in general. So here's hoping that you have a great and beautiful day. And as always, keep sharing to keep the legacy alive.